Do you ever hear the song, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Saying that as a kid, probably saying it to my kids when they were growing up, but it never really sunk in how important Jesus believes children are. Did you see the eyes of the kids this morning when the balls came out? Did you see the eyes of the adults this morning? <laughs> the balls? I run a little risk today of people getting offended, but I thought, you know what? Why can't you have fun at church? Church isn't supposed to be fun, people say. Worship is supposed to be somber and reverent. Somehow, I think that attitude is what Jesus is going to address in his message today to the disciples, because they were thinking life is way too serious. The few things more pure and infectious than an uninhibited joy expressed in a child's laughter. We've had, I don't want, I won't, I promise not to talk too much about my only grandkid. I don't have any pictures for you today, I'm sorry. But what do I do the very first time I see my grandkid? I go in there and I get a big smile out of him. When he walks, he sees me, his arms go up, and he just, and if I can make him laugh, it's like my entire day is made. You want to scoop them up sometimes and just enjoy the joy. I was in a Bible study one time, uh, many years ago, and I was trying to lead this Bible study. It was quite serious, and uh, there was probably 15 people in the room, in, 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 including a five-year-old uh, little boy. And as I was trying to lead, this fly would not leave me alone. You know, you, you just knock it away, and it would, land, it would actually land on my nose, like as I'm speaking, and somehow this five-year-old started giggling. And he just, every time, the, and it wouldn't go, like it just kept me, and I'm trying to read and be serious, and this fly just landing on my face, and he couldn't help. He just kept giggling, and so much so that the entire room started giggling with him. And it wasn't long before the Bible study was over. It's just going to be a laugh fest, you know, just giggle party all together. On the other hand, I don't know about you, but when you see a heartbroken sobbing of a child, it just, it breaks your heart. It's like you want to pick them up and console them and comfort them and make it all better. Something about kids, the simplicity, the, um, I don't know, just how, how they're so trusting and loving, how they believe that you're going to be there, how you're going to take care of them. Uh, there's something about kids. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 15, Jesus continues on his journey towards Jerusalem, and he has a very important lesson for his disciples. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus calls for the children and said to the disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Gospel writer Mark adds this line, Mark 10, 16, and he took them up in his arms 
put his hands on them, and he blessed them. So on this particular day, Jesus, and uh, on his journey to Jerusalem with his disciples, he and his students were apparently just hanging around, and people saw them and identified them. This is the miracle worker. This is the guy they're talking about. This is the famous Jesus we've heard stories about. And so they started gathering around him, and it says parents started bringing their little kids to Jesus for a blessing that he might put his hands on them and pray. For some reason, this bothered disciples. Um, they, they found this offensive. It found it kind of belittling, I think. Um, why, why are you bothering the Messiah? They, it says they rebuked the parents, and this word rebuke, it carries a sharp uh, sharpness or a harshness with it. Like they, they admonished these parents. Like, what do you think you're doing bothering the teacher with your kids. This is so demeaning to our teacher, to Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed in the Bible, but many times, particularly in the gospel, when it talks about the life and the journey of Jesus, there's many times where his students try to manage him and make decisions on his behalf without actually consulting with him. Each time Jesus rebuked them, and actually does the opposite from what they decided among themselves. Here again, when they're rebuking the, the parents and scolding the parents from bringing their children, Jesus once again turns around and he rebukes the disciples. He says, what do you think you're doing? When he talks to the disciples, actually he gives, it's a positive and a negative command at the same time. He's saying, let the children come to me and don't stop them from coming to me at the same time. It's like, if you didn't get it the first time, let me say it a different way. Stop stopping the kids from coming to me. To Jesus, people were always the priority. It wasn't the program, wasn't the journey, wasn't the religious activity. People always got his attention. Some cultures have a different kind of view of kids. Uh, some cultures want them to be seen and not heard. Some cultures don't even want them to be seen. There's other cultures that want them to be perfectly well-behaved, well-mannered, show pieces that reflect well in the parents. Look what my kid can do. Play a, play a song for our guests, dear. Do that trick you do, kind of to show off their kids. Other parents and cultures seem to want kids to be the most important person in the household, particularly sons who are catered to and never have to go without anything they want. I found that typically parents... They either treat their kids and raise them as they were raised, what they're used to, what they know, or because they had to go without stuff when they were young, they want their kids to have everything they never had, and they overindulge kids. So in Jesus' day, children were susceptible to a great variety of life-threatening diseases and situations, and many children would not live to teenage years. In fact, by some accounts, 50% of all children did not make it past the age of 10. A Roman baby would not even be named until it passed the first week of life in case it didn't survive. So when there's an opportunity to take your kids to a prophet or a religious person or a miracle worker and get a blessing, I mean, you got first in line, or at least you got in line. You want to have the this religious person who's well-known pray uh, for safety and good health and prosperity. We do this even 
in our church, we have a blessing, a time of dedicating our children. We bring the kids to the church, and the pastors pray a blessing over them, that God will protect them, keep them safe, that they would come to know God at an early age. Here, Jesus is sitting, asking the disciples, let, let the kids come. In the back of his mind, maybe he remembered his mom and dad. Went to the temple. Maybe they told him stories. We took you to the temple when you were just a baby. We had the priest say a blessing over you. Can you imagine, though, Jesus, actually the high priest, our high priest, sitting there, parents bringing their kids to the high priest for a blessing. I'm thinking they got the golden ticket. You know, their creator, the Messiah, the King of Kings, asking the Father in heaven to bless these kids and protect them and make them prosperous or healthy and long life. I can't imagine God saying, yeah, no. I think, it, I think those kids had a good life. If you're, the creator himself is praying a blessing over them. Social norms reflect society's values, and you may have noticed Far, uh, a lot of times in the Bible where Jesus flips the social norms and, and puts the priorities different. He's saying, you know, I know this is what happens to society, what happens in your neighborhoods, but this is not the way it should be. Children, women, foreigners, sinners, Samaritans, all those that were neglected, overlooked, even despised, they are the ones who regularly caught Jesus' attention. And he acknowledged them and respected them and addressed their concerns. Everyone that everyone else overlooked and pushed to the side and, and didn't give attention to, Jesus seemed somehow to value them and put them in the middle. Uh, even on a one road, uh, he, he stuck a child in the midst of people. He says, unless you come like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. This child has become the least of all, and so God can raise you up. Many times it was the, the, uh, the despised, the overlooked, the outcast that he paid the most attention to, made, even made them the heroes of the story. In Jesus' day, kids really had no intrinsic value except for their potential future contribution to the family business. Disciples only saw little people with little significance, no power, no influence, no money, no property, no chance of contributing anything of value why do they want to take up the time of the master? He had much larger and much more important things to manage. Or did he? Just think about Jesus. He's, he's headed to the cross. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's going to be sacrificing his life, and he takes time to have the kids come and sit on his lap and pray a blessing on them. What's he saying? Jesus rebukes the disciples both with the positive instruction and the negative one, as I said. And he calls, he says, let them come to me and don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these kids. To every person, to Jesus, is important, regardless of their age or ability or birth order or intellectual acumen. In fact, God has always been particularly sensitive to the mar marginalized people in society, the helpless person, the vulnerable person, the one without means or possessions, you remember he spent time with those that had leprosy. No one would come within 10 feet of them. He spent time with tax collectors who were the most despised in society. He spent time with the adulterous woman. He, he gave freedom to the demon-possessed. He made the hated Samaritans the heroes of the story. He fed the poor and the hungry and was comfortable hanging out with and loving the undesirables. 
For us to ignore the despised or or to overlook these people is actually offensive to God and worthy of his rebuke. Too often we put ourselves in the place of the disciples and we say, don't bug Jesus, don't bug God with that, you know, just work it out. And we get rebuked because he wants everyone to come to him. Truly I say to you in verse 17, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I think the disciples are scratching their heads. They're going, what's he talking about? Like these are just kids. And he's saying, unless you don't receive it like a child, you can't come into the kingdom. What's going on? There's actually slightly two different um, ways of looking at this verse. One way says, if you don't receive the kingdom of God, like a child receives the kingdom of God, you cannot enter it. So how's that? Well, how does a child receive a gift? Yeah, birthday presents, you get Christmas. How do you, how is it, if you have a present and it's wrapped up with a nice bow and beautiful wrapping, and you come in and a kid looks at you and going, what's that? It's for you. And you're going, what, what happens next? Like their eyes get big. They're like, what? It's, it's for me? Like, do, do this when it's not a birthday or a Christmas. Just walk in with a gift and say, hey. And they're going, what? What's that? It's for you. Why? Because <laughs> I love you. How does a kid receive a gift? Open arms, big eyes, big smile, gratitude. I think that sometimes we as adults forget that we should really be excited and grateful. Big smile. We don't need to explore the environmental impact or do a comparative cost analysis or look at other options or investigate the source or consider the motives behind the gift. We just need to receive the gift with open arms. God says, I love you. I just, I, I'm just doing this for you. The second way of looking at this um, passage is saying that we must become childlike in order to enter the kingdom or with simplicity, with faith and trust, uncomplicated, not needing to have proof after proof after proof. Prove to me that God loves me. Prove to me that he hears my prayer. Prove, you know, we can be endlessly looking for proof and uh, verification and show me another miracle and then I'll believe. Uh, children don't do that. We give up our grown-up hesitations or suspicions and respond to God's love with wide open arms, like a kid. Come to God like a kid comes to their dad. It says in Mark 10, 16, he took them up in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. What does a child, what's a child looking for in life? So I had my grandkid all week at, at the house and just wanted to be fed at the right time, changed at the right time, and loved. I mean, we took him for a walk, we played with him, Gave him tummy time and back time and jumping time. And like, we had, you know, had the routine, had to make sure that we followed all the rules. But, um, you know, basic stuff. There's um, Maslow is a psychologist. He has this hierarchy of needs that he came up with. And I'm not really disputing his theory. Um, he talks about uh, physiological needs. You know, you need uh, water. You need food, shelter, sleep, clothing. Safety needs, personal security, employment, love and belonging, esteem, self, you know, find some meaning and direction in life. I think they're all important things. But I, he's missing a huge component. You notice what's missing? There's nothing about God in there. 
There's nothing about spirituality. So, so I think if I was to rewrite this, I would put it this way. I would say that, first of all, we, need, we have spiritual needs. We need to connect with our Creator. We need to be assured that we have a place in heaven one day, that we are not just going to live for this world, but we have a place in eternity. Second, I would add to that the physical needs and food, safety, shelter. Add to that, I would add emotional needs. You need to be loved. You need grace and forgiveness and support and encouragement. It's really hard to make it without someone else in your corner encouraging you, giving you advice, um, loving you, forgiving you. Uh, I add to that social needs. We need community. We need a church, family. We need neighbors. We need coaches. We need people that will invest in us and let us figure out what's right, how to, how to, how to get along with people. To that, I'd say we need purpose and identity. We need direction. We need to make a difference and a contribution. We need to have meaning in our life. And with all of that, it begins and ends with Christ. I mean, He's the foundation of everything that we get and everything that uh, God has to offer. We, we have a Creator that we start with, and we have a Lord we're going to end with in, in, in His presence. Everything, every aspect that we have, and when Maslow left off, is we do need to correct, connect with God Himself. He's the one that actually gives us meaning and purpose and direction and fulfills our needs as people. F.B. Meyer says this, We think that children must grow up and become like us. Old uh, Willie Myrick, 2014, he was kidnapped from the driveway of his house. The uh, guy got out of his car, had some money. Willie came to take the money or to accept the money as a gift, and he was grabbed and thrown in the car, and the, the man drove away with Willie in his car. Willie could have easily become another statistic if it were not for his love of gospel music. You see, for the next entire terrifying three hours he was in the getaway car. He sang the gospel song Every Praise by Hezekiah Walker over and over and over and over for three hours. He was cursing at him and swearing at him and saying, shut up, stop singing that song, you're driving me nuts. And he refused to stop singing the song. The kidnapper pulls the car over, shouts him out and says, get along and don't tell anybody about this. There's actually a really nice sketch of the kidnapper that the kid remembered. And um, his story made the press. That's Hezekiah Walker who flew from New York to Atlanta to be in church with this boy and uh, sang his song. There's a brand new video that he put out. Here's the song's words. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. Every praise, every praise is to our God. And then these lines, God my Savior, God my healer, God my deliverer. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Willie needed a deliverer. And God heard him and God answered. I think we can learn a lot from kids. Simple faith, simple praise. God, his deliverer, responded. We are to have childlike faith, but not childish faith. No need to doubt that God loves you, because that was settled on the cross. No need to doubt God's word either, because 
we believe and trust that God says He will, uh, what God says He will do, He will do it. Keep faith simple, uncomplicated. Don't intellectualize your faith. The Bible at its core is just about a father loving his children. And don't be so serious. Laugh more. Smile more. Enjoy this one life God gives us to make a difference in other people's lives while we have a chance to. And for kids, value what's really important. Do they care how shiny your SUV is? Do they care how weeded the garden is? You know, they put up with a lot, kids. They put up with abuse and neglect, mistreatment, parents with addictions, and still they are fiercely loyal to their parents. They will forgive. It's my mom, they say. It's my dad. For better or for worse, that's all I've got. Forgive others. Forgive yourself when you mess up. Keep it simple. It's not complicated to accept the love of God, what He has to offer. Here's another thought on this passage. It says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as one receives a little child will never enter it. Joel Green, a commentator, says, not knowing how to receive children may indicate you likely will not know how to receive the kingdom of God. Either, no, if we are unable to extend respectful service to the socially marginalized, having misconstrued the nature of the kingdom, how can we ever enter it? If you can't care for and respect those that Jesus cares for and respects and honors, then we show we don't have the same kind of heart he's looking for for those that are in his kingdom. Do you care for those who are vulnerable, for the overlooked, the outsider, the marginalized, the newcomer, the lonely, the one Jesus sees? And I think Jesus says to us, help them come to me. Just like the children, don't stop them. Enable them to come to me. That's what we do as his children. Bring others into his presence. If you can do that, then you belong in his kingdom. You are true sons and daughters of the king of kings, and you have an amazing father in heaven who loves you dearly. Unless you enter as a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Simple. Let's pray. Father God, how come it seems that you keep turning things upside down from what we're used to? How come we need to have you continue to point out what's important, what's really important, what you see as important, what you declare to be priorities in life? It's not about the amount of stuff we accumulate. It's about the number of people we impact that we bring to you, that we enable to see the life, the truth, the one way, Jesus Father, may you put an opportunity in front of each person this week to love somebody like you would want them to be loved, to notice them, to ask what their name is, to ask if we can pray for them, to help them out in some way, to show that our heart is like yours, Father, that you notice, you see, and you don't overlook anybody. May we be worthy of your kingdom, Father. May we reflect your heart.
as we go about our, our, our daily business. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.